uh, first service today, uh, I don't know how many of you know Francis Bowman or not, but Francis came up and he, his hand was twitching like this. And he says, is your hand twitching, Craig? And I said, not yet, why? And he goes, he says, the weather's starting to change and I need to get out there and I need to jig. <laughs> Francis loves fishing. I'm not as big a fisherman as Francis is. You know, when the weather starts to change for me, you know what where my, mo- my mind goes to? Food. <laughs> I, I started thinking about... As we, I was outside um, on the deck yesterday, and I was uh, uh, grilling some chicken and some other things, and I started, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite meals is uh, grilled salmon with mango salsa. Have you ever had that? Oh, you need to go talk to my wife. She's right over there. She makes some of the best mango salsa in the world. She takes these mangoes and she chops them up into little bits and pieces. And then she takes some onions and some some cherry tomatoes. Right, Lisa? And then my favorite part of all, cilantro. I love, she just just piles the cilantro in it. And And then she lets, she puts it all together and she lets it marinate for about a half hour. It's better, the longer you let it marinate, the better it is. And then you put that on top of that grilled salmon. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Is anybody hungry yet? Oh, I love that stuff. That's what I think about as the weather gets warmer. Just do. And then maybe fishing. The reason why I share that story with you today is because I am under the impression that many of you approach life the way I approach mango salsa. I think a lot of you believe that the recipe for a good life is just to make sure that you add the right ingredients. Yeah, the recipe for a good life is, is uh, uh, to have, you want family in there, right? You want to have a fulfilling career. You might need a, a dash or two of your favorite hobbies, fishing, right? Something like that. Um, and then a splash of religion. Mix all that together, and you've got the recipe for a good life, right? Now, I, I understand that some of you uh, have a different taste buds than I do, so you might take a few of those things out and add a few other things. I understand that. But the analogy still stands firm, doesn't it? We often approach life, the recipe of life, of making sure that you just add the right ingredients and it's all good. Here's the problem with that analogy, however. I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes I've noticed that when I'm I'm careful to add all the right ingredients into my life, but my life doesn't always turn out that good. Have you ever noticed that? Why do you suppose that is? If the analogy, life is like a recipe, just adding the right ingredients is all that there is to life, why doesn't it always turn out good? There's got to be something more to it, right? Well, this morning, um, I'm going to point you to a passage of Scripture that I bet you're all familiar with, most of you anyway, that where Jesus tells us what the more is. What, what is necessary, what is truly necessary for life and life eternal. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to be starting at verse 16 today. That's found on page uh, 980 
of your church Bibles, if that's what you're using. And as uh, Billy says uh, a lot, we these church Bibles, if you need a Bible at home, we want you to take them. We love them when they go uh, missing. We can, we'll buy more Bibles because we just want to uh, spread Bibles across the land, right? So if you need a Bible, take that Bible home with you because it's your gift uh, from us to you, okay? So, here in Matthew chapter 19, what, are we, what is the scene that we're entering into? In this scene, we, this, is often, this passage is often referred to as the story of the rich young ruler. Um, we don't know at the very beginning of the story that this guy is rich, but we do know he's young. It says, here starting at verse 16, it says that Jesus comes, or this guy comes walking up to Jesus, this young guy comes walking up to Jesus, and he has a question for him. It may be a question that many of you have asked in the past. It's a seemingly straightforward, obvious question. And it is this. He says, um, what, must, what good thing must I do to obtain eternal life? It seems like a pretty straightforward question, doesn't it? But what I'll have you notice is that Jesus' response is anything but straightforward. One of the things I mentioned at first service that I want to make sure that you understand about Jesus is this. Jesus is not Google. We oftentimes go to Google for the answers, right? But what you need to understand is that um, Sometimes having all the right answers really isn't the right answer. If you don't have context, if you have, there's more to it, there's more to it than just having the right answer. Jesus um, does have the right answers, but what Jesus wants to be for you is more than just a Google machine. What Jesus wants to, Jesus wants to be in relationship with you. And that's what he was wanting from this young guy that has come asking this very basic question. What good thing must I do in order to obtain eternal life? Jesus says, instead of just answering his question, he says, it's interesting. Why do you ask me about that which is good? Have you ever noticed that? That's, that, was, that was his response. He answers the question with a question. Why do you ask me about that which is good? There's only one that is good. I've read that story a thousand times and I've never noticed that until this week. I always get hung up in the obvious and, and fail to really pay attention to what Jesus is saying. Why do you ask me about that which is good? There's only one that is good. And who was he talking about? Him, right? He was talking about himself. What he was doing was, he was inviting this guy, this rich young ruler, to be in relationship with him. As Billy mentioned um, at the end of last service, if you go and you read the same story in the book of Mark, you'll find out that Jesus, he see, he's, as he's relating to this guy, he loves this guy. He's wanting to be in relationship with this guy. So he's asked, he's, he often does this, by the way. Instead of just answering questions, he answers questions with questions in the hopes that you will engage him. Do you do that? The guy doesn't get it. So Jesus just goes on and he goes, same verse, verse 17. He says, 
Just follow the commandments. Now, that seems like a simple question too, doesn't it? Or a simple response. But if you were a Jew 2,000 years ago, you would know that that isn't just a simple answer. Just follow the commandments. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, you may remember that the Jews, the Jewish leaders, had taken the original Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, right? And had expanded them into 613 commandments. Remember that? So this guy, knowing that there were 613 commandments, go, I can't even remember all of them. And, and are, are they all necessary for me to obtain eternal life? Which commandments, Lord, am I expected to follow? To which Jesus responds with a few of the biggies. Right? You see that? Look in your Bible. You see it? Read the passage. It says in there, there's, he, you know, he says, um, do not lie and do not commit adultery and um, love God, love your neighbor. That says that kind of stuff, right? Those are, he doesn't list all the Ten Commandments, but he gives, you, he gives you some of the biggies, right? To which this guy goes, awesome! I'm doing that stuff! Right? He's thinking I'm golden! But, as as he's processing this thing, oh, man, I've got this figured out. This is good. He's going, then why, why don't I feel like it's good? Have you ever done that? Have you ever, no, do your daily devotions, come to church on Sunday, maybe go to Sunday school, or, and then think, there's got to be something more, because I'm, I'm missing something. So he says, Lord, what else am I lacking? And it doesn't say this in the passage, but I, in my mind's eye, this is how I believe Jesus responded to him. I think he kind of gave him a side eye and smiled a little bit as he said what he's about to say. I think he looks at him and he, when he says, what am I lacking? He says, you know... What you need to be perfect. Have you seen that in this passage before? If you want to be perfect, go and sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. Are you squirming yet? The guy, all of a sudden, he realizes, oh, that's what's necessary. This is where we find out he's rich, right? He's, he's got a lot to lose. Is it really worth eternal life? Sounds like a silly question, doesn't it? But my suspicion is, if you're squirming in your seat, you've asked yourself the same question. If Jesus asked you to go and sell everything that you have in order to obtain eternal life, would it be worth it? Would eternal life be worth it? 
we squirm because we, we, this is the point in the story when we pause and we have to ask the question, is that what is required? And it's at that point, if you're taking it seriously, that you begin to do what I call theological gymnastics. It's at that point when you start to think, well, was he really asking everybody to do that or was he just asking the rich young ruler to do that, right? Um, he, I, he hasn't put me on the spot like that, has he? If you weren't squirming before, you're going to squirm right now because listen to what I'm saying. Jesus expects the same thing out of you. If it is your intention to earn your own eternal life. You see, the biggest mistake that this guy has been making all throughout the conversation was to believe that it was all about him. That obtaining eternal life was up to him. And all along, Jesus is trying to get his attention. He's leaving him little breadcrumbs, trying to get him to engage. We were, we were in... Uh, uh, we, Wednesday morning Bible study last week and we were talking about this and, and um, uh, we, the, the question, well, why didn't he just come right out and say it? Because he wants to engage with you. And the truth of the matter is, even if he had come right out and said it, I have a sneaking suspicion that some of you would have argued with him anyway. Especially if what he said wasn't what you wanted to hear as the answer. So instead, he's hoping that you'll engage with him. And it, because of the interaction that you have with him, you'll come to the answer. All along, he's leaving them little breadcrumbs. Remember the first one? The first breadcrumb. Lord, what must I do in order to obtain? What good thing must I do to obtain eternal life, right? And Jesus said, why do you even ask about good things? There's only one good thing. He's saying, come on, come on. Let's talk. But the guy doesn't do it. Why? Because he's just, it's all about him. Breadcrumb number two. Oh, so you want to be perfect, huh? The biggest mistake he was making was to believe that it was all about him. What Jesus was trying to say to him, what he's trying to say to you today, is it's not about you. It's about him. If you insist on making it all about you, it will not turn out well. Now, at this particular point, you might, you might stop and say, well, okay, well, let's just let's think critically here for a moment. Are you what, are, is what, what you're saying, Craig, that, that, 
that the ingredients that I put into the recipe of my life really don't matter? No, that's not what he's saying. The ingredients that you put into your life, whatever they, you know, they do matter. A family and career and, and hobbies and, and whatever, whatever the, those ingredients matter. But if you don't start with Jesus, it's, it's, it, the recipe's going to turn out bad eventually. You remember we started out, what is the more? Jesus is the more. You must begin and end with Jesus. And then the rest of the ingredients give your life flavor. Now, if you've uh, been participating with us here the last, um, during the season of Lent in the All Church study, it's called um, No Wonder They Crucified Him is the name of the study. But this week's lesson is entitled, Check Your Bags. What, what really what the author of the study is doing is he's just given us another analogy for life. I used the, you know, in, in the res- life is a recipe with all the right ingredients. He's just using... Um, checking your bag is another analogy for your life. What have you put in your bag? What do you have in there? He's inviting us during the season of Lent to, to consider what you have in your bag. I mentioned at first service that um, I, I'm not a, a woman. I don't have a, a handbag. My wife has many, many. And what I've heard from her is that every now and then she needs to go and, and unpack her handbag because it starts to get heavy because she's got so much stuff in there. She, you know, she's just over there looking at me like, where is he going to go with this, right? <laughs> and what happens is that you can, you can see the stuff on the top, right? But it's not until you start unpacking the bag that you begin to realize that there's stuff that is kind of sifted to the bottom, that has made it heavier than it needs to be. And until you start unpacking it, that's only, it's only after you start unpacking it that you even realize, oh my gosh, that's in there? There are things in your, even those of you who are living for Jesus, who are, have packed your bag with the right stuff, there's, there's other stuff potentially in the bottom of your bag that's been weighing you down and burdening you. Things like hurt. Somebody hurt me. Bitterness. Maybe pride or arrogance. Anger. And until you take the time to unpack the stuff that's in your bag, you may not even realize it, switching back to my original analogy, that those ingredients are the thing that, is, that have been making um, the recipe of your life not turn out the way you expect. Why does this taste funny? <laughs> it's because there's, you've, been, there's, you've added ingredients to the recipe that you forgot were even in there. Well, what Jesus wants you to know, you know, we talk a lot about about lordship here at Prairie Bible. 
about you must accept Jesus as Lord. And that's hard to do. That let, because accepting Jesus as Lord means you're, allowing him, you're asking Him to be in charge, to, for Him to be in control. And that's hard for us human beings because we like being in control. But that's what's required to have Jesus as Lord. Well, let me tell you one of the biggest blessings of having Jesus as Lord. One of the biggest blessings of having Jesus as Lord is that um, that stuff that's been weighing you down that stuff that is kind of sifted to the bottom of your bag that you forgot was even in there that's been ruining your recipe, you don't have to carry that. You don't have to put that stuff in your recipe. You don't have to put that stuff back in the bag. He is saying, I will carry that stuff. Offer it to me. I'll carry it for you. The stuff that's been weighing you down, that's been making the recipe not turn out as as good as you hoped it would be. Give it to him. Let him carry it. He says, my burden is light. Give it to him. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where it must begin. It must begin with making that conscious decision. It begins... First, by confessing that you are a sinner, and you are, and so am I. And then, number two is repentance. You know what repentance is, right? Repentance is not just confessing that you're a sinner, but, but saying that you're making the conscious decision to walk away from the sin. It's my heart's desire to walk away from that. And ask Jesus to forgive you. He says to the woman caught in sin. Go and sin no more. That's repentance. And then finally. Is the conscious decision to invite Jesus to sit on the throne. Which is in your heart. Letting him be in control. Be in charge. If you've never made that decision. You need to make that decision. Because all the other stuff that we've talked about today makes no difference at all unless you start there. You don't need to pray that prayer with me, but if you would like to pray that prayer with your pastor, right over there is our prayer room. It would be my privilege to pray with you today. If there's something going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or prayer with, I'll be right over there.